Hey everybody, and welcome to the next episode of InfoSec Whiskey. I am your host, Ushi, and with me today I have Geek Steve and Box Swapper Nick. Hey guys. Hello. So I'm super excited because um, for those who are catching the video, um, obviously you guys know that this is going to be, I think, probably our first video podcast. Um, we're obviously still going to have the um, audio podcast, but um, I think we're going to start mixing it up and, and do some some video stuff too. So I'm super excited about that. But um, I'm also excited to um, kind of let everybody know that um, so both of you are actually going to become more regular uh, hosts with me. And um, so I'm super excited. Um, we, and it hasn't aired yet. We did do a, um, a little kind of I don't after dark not really after well it was dark but like it was like a, it was like it was like drunk infosec and um with steve and the infosec infosec goat um which was a ton of fun where we just kind of like went through funny cybersecurity stuff and um joked and laughed at some of the dumb things that people do so that is going to probably be um more regular because that was a ton of fun and anytime that you can like drink with your friends and talk about the stuff you like that's always fun and then nick um for those who don't like religiously listen to our podcast first off shame on you and secondly, um, Nick and I did a podcast together that was like, I don't, God, Nick, was it like two and a half hours long? Yeah, um, it was, it was fun though. It was, so it, was fun. it was so much fun. And honestly, I've gotten a really awesome response from people on it. I was worried about the time because it was so long and, yeah. um, and people are like, oh my gosh, like I, you know, like I got a lot of messages from people who were like, I just listened to your episode with Nick and that was just really fun to listen to you guys. And you guys had good banter and, um, they enjoyed everything that you had to say about avionics and then just like us talking about getting into InfoSec. Like I got a really good feedback on that. And I had such a, so much fun with you that I asked you to kind of like co-host on a on a regular basis and you said yes yes, yes absolutely I would like to do that so the only thing is we gotta not talk more often so we can save some content for the air because if we talk more often <laughs> we're gonna lose it it's, it's, I, I I doubt that I, I seriously <laughs> doubt that so let's get into the whiskey you guys so um we we so the this episode we decided i didn't decide i said to nick asked what we were going to drink and i said you pick and um so nick nick decided we were going to do some scotch so i still have mine in my box my box i haven't even pulled it out my box yet so so for those of you who haven't can't see so i don't even know actually how to pronounce this correctly can somebody see, I usually mispronounce it too because i say lagavulin and then somebody else is like lagavulin See, I would have said Lagavulin as well. Um, Steve's wasting no time busting into his bottle. What would you call it? I would call it Lagavulin. Lagavulin. That is... All right. So, so yeah. So, we're doing Lagavulin 8. Eight year. And, you know, I like to always do, like, the tasting notes because I like to see what, what it all has. So, and I do, I like, I really enjoy like learning about the history and stuff of this. So on the back of the box of the Lagavulin, Lagavulin, yeah, Lagavulin, um, it says, is Islay, is that how you pronounce it? 
Islay single malt scotch whiskey. Islay. I don't know if the S is silent. So exceptionally fine was how illustrious whiskey chronicler Alfred Bernard described the Lagavulin eight-year-old expression he sampled during an 1886 visit to the distillery. Holy shit. Um, in homage to Lagavulin's timeless ability to produce exceptional malts, this is a reinterpretation of the eight-year-old from Bernard's era. The nose is immediately soft with clean, fresh notes, partnering faint hints of milk, chocolate, and lemon, then develops fragrant tea-scented smoke alongside nose-drying maritime aromas with subtle cereal. The palate is light in texture with a magnificently full-on Lagavulin taste that's even bigger than you may expect, oh sweet Jesus. Sweet, smoky, and warming with a growing pungency, then dry with more smoke. The finish is lovely, clean, very long, and smoky. This is a polished and exquisitely crafted celebration of Lagavulin with smoky, clean aromas and a mighty taste originally made to mark our bicentennial bicentenary bicentenary that's a weird okay it's a it, it might sound more natural than irish accent um if i could do an irish accent i would so do that <laughs> but i don't want to um like offend the irish uh <laughs> listeners okay you so already that, have the scottish not the irish so i, I so i looked at that uh, I looked up the uh, the pronunciations. So it is pronounced Lagavulin. Lagavulin. And uh, as you had stated, Islay, which I would have said it the same way, it's actually pronounced Isla. Isla. Oh, good to know. I had a feeling that S might have been silent. Now, because I've, I've had this before, I'm only going to throw this out. You said smoky six times. Yeah. Take that into account when you taste it. So now I just smelled the cork. I don't, I don't know why, but I smelled it and I totally smell smoke. So, all right. Oh my gosh. That's. Yeah. It's, right. it's really good. It's just very smoky. So the way I like to, um, to do this is I is starting off with a street. At least so we can taste what it tastes like. So I'm used to bourbon. So Me seeing too. a whiskey that is so uh, clear, you can practically see through. It's a lot clearer than bourbon, right? Um, yeah, that looks like really bad that's beer. Something I have to get used to. It's it's really thin. Like I'm swirling it around my glass, and I'm not really seeing much in the way of viscosity. All right, let's smell it. Holy shit, it's like a campfire. It's, yeah, like they said, smoky. So I wouldn't say campfire. No? I, I would tend say... To pair this, I, I tend to pair this with a really good local cigar that has a really uh, smooth tobacco to it. It almost is aged like uh, pipe tobacco. Yeah. And, it's, uh, and it pairs with this really well. And it's got a flavored wrapper, and it really goes great with it. But yeah, it's, it's definitely a smoky drink. It's smoky. I would say it's it's more like if you go camping and you wake up in the morning, and the fire still has some embers, yeah. and like mixed with like a morning dew and like moss and kerosene. <laughs> 
so I don't know. There's some like there's like a um a uh, what do you call it like a a I don't know the word like a chemically smell. All right, I'm gonna drink it. Go for it. I'll drink it with you. Oh, okay, so that's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> when I smelled it, I thought, oh, I'm not going to like this. <laughs> it's not bad. It's not it's bad. It's strong. I feel like, so this is, I think, what is it? it's a 96 proof, 48%. So I expected, actually, now I'm getting a little burned now like way at the end, I was expecting it to be um, a lot stronger, like more like in your face. And this isn't, this isn't as bad as I expected it. <laughs> that sounds horrible. Yeah. It's not bad, but like I was expecting it to be bad. And so I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm happy about that. What do you think, Steve? It's, it's really interesting because I was expecting it the I was expecting the flavors to be more prominent, but it's like the nose and the flavors are right on point with each other. Like I don't think one outweighs the other. All right, I'm gonna add um, an ice cube. I will but admit, I will you say, you guys probably have a more sophisticated palate than I do because mine just consists of me trying to get drunk on soft different fluids. <laughs> and this is one of my favorites. Like I said, I'll, I'll usually have it with a cigar or whatever. I get to feel a little more sophisticated than normal. So I could uh, see where a cigar would really go well with this. Yeah. All right. So I'm. Um, I added a few drops of water. Wow, that brought out, that really kind of opened it up. The ice cubes that are like half melted anyways. <clears throat> this is actually, this is a lot smoother for 96 proof than I agree. Than I would expect. I was really surprised. Yeah. Oh, it's way smooth for 96 proof. So, all right. Well, we can, um, I'm adding a little water. Um, so, today's topic, um, I didn't even say that earlier. We just got like, I, I have been wanting to open this bottle like all week. It's been <laughs> sitting on my, um, on my counter and I was like, no, you have to wait, no, you have to wait. Because I really like doing this on air, um, you know, like as we record. Um, Anyways, so today's topic we're going to talk about is imposter syndrome. So the reason that I picked this topic is because I feel like I've gotten to talk pretty in depth with both of you, and I know that all three of us um, have it. <laughs> so, like, and I and I think it's interesting because I think that who better to talk about imposter syndrome than people who experience it, um, you know, regularly. Um, so I wanted to just, I mean, 
I think everybody pretty much at this point knows what imposter syndrome is. Although there's people who I get messages sometimes from people on Twitter and they say, Oh, I just listened to your podcast and like, Holy shit. I didn't know what imposter syndrome was before I listened to it, but like fucking that's exactly what I have. And so, um, I have the like definition, the Wikipedia definition of imposter syndrome, and it's also known as imposter phenomenon, impostorism, fraud syndrome, or the imposter experience. And it's a psychological pattern in which one doubts one's accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. Um, I think that's pretty accurate. What do you guys think? What would, how, if somebody was to ask you, Steve, like, what would you say? Like, what do you think imposter syndrome is? How would you describe it? I mean, I, I think I would describe it pretty much spot on to that. Like, it's, I mean, I guess the only perspective I have to speak on is, is from myself, but it's yeah. like, you know, not, not really feeling like um, your knowledge is at the, the level it should be, like right. you're constantly catching up. Yes. Um, you know, and then that's whether it's catching up yourself against your peers, um, people you don't even know. <laughs> it's, yeah. Right. And I feel like too, like with, um, with the, the, so in tech, I feel like everybody must feel this at some point, right? Like for people who are new into tech and even some people who have been around for a while, there's so many places to learn things. So like we all joke that like half our job, if not more than that, is Googling the answer and figuring it out. And then, you know, going, oh, okay, that's what I'm looking for. And then going back to whatever the problem is. And I feel like in tech, because like I've, I'm sure imposter syndrome is everywhere, but like in tech specifically, you can get a job and only know half of the job and the other half, you just learn as you go along. And like, that's not only like normal, like, like that's like expected, like that's, that's, it's normal, right? Like everybody, like, especially when like new people come in and they're like, oh my God, like, I feel like I'm so, and you're like, yeah, I remember being there. I remember my very first tech job. And like, you feel like you're constantly trying to, like you said, like catch up to people. Anyways, my point was, I think that in tech, it's, it's, it's probably so much more due to the fact that there's so it's so big and you can't possibly know everything and so like you you feel like other people know other things than you know and you think you should know everything that they know when in reality you know stuff that they don't know and so it, yeah i i don't i kind of feel like uh the imposter syndrome may be something that drives some of us like i know for me before yeah, i gave my talk um, I really didn't have a lot to research. So it made me go back to the foundations of avionic systems in my part. And I was actually reading through TOs before I got in public spoke. What's and a TO for those who are not? I'm sorry, technical order. So gotcha. like, uh, I can't touch an aircraft unless I have a book open telling me what to do. It's, it's, you know, FAA requirements. It's just the way to, it's safety. Um, I mean, things don't belong in the air and we got to put them there. So, but uh, the, I have to, I went through those and I read through all the technical orders in order to have some more confidence in what I was doing. 
but even then I still had, I felt like, well, I'm not really an actor. I don't belong here. This is, you know, I'm just an aircraft maintainer wanting to show people this stuff. And, um, and I think that if you can utilize it properly, I think imposter syndrome is actually not a bad thing. It'll make you hone and, and, and dial in where you need to go when, before you go to a presentation or so a job interview or whatever. It's going to be that little doubt in the back of your head. It's going to be nagging until you start studying, until you start to put yourself into the headspace where you might be able to eliminate a lot. I'm not completely eliminate, but uh, subdue it quite a bit. Yeah. And I would like to point out because um, for those of you who haven't had a chance to see Nick's talk, definitely check that out. Is it still your pin tweet? It used to be. So I like that. So like God's honest truth, right? So I knew you before you did your talk and I went to your talk because I wanted to support you as my friend. And I was like, and you were nervous. I remember beforehand. And like, as soon as you started talking, I was like, oh my God, like he's amazing. And like, I was so excited just to sit there. I probably grinned like an idiot. Like I was so proud of you as my friend, like you did such an amazing job. And like, and it made me giggle because like you, like you always said, I'm not a hacker. I'm just whatever, you know, and like, and you are a hacker and people should know that too. Like, um, what can we, can we tell people like your side hustle in your, in your town? Oh yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Well, I can't remember the exact title. Is it like the, the $50 geek or something? Yeah. It's literally the $50 geek. Uh, so this in town, hire me at the, and it's low. I start out super low and just do stuff because I enjoy it. And, I've and without without doxing you, um, Nick lives in a very small town. So, and there's not a ton of like tech in that town. So you pretty much are kind of like the town geek squad, right? It's getting that way. Yeah. It's yeah. Become that way. And so like when, when Nick and I have talked in the past and like discussed whatever like things that we're talking about, um, Nick actually knows a lot um, Nick, so yeah, like, it's funny to me, like, and it's cause like, I totally have, like, I think I, I'm not good enough and I don't like feel like I can use the t- like terms like that, like hacker. And, um, and then like, I hear somebody like you say that. And I think to myself, like, are you kidding me, Nick? Like we've had conversations where you talk about, you know, vulnerabilities and like different things that you've done. And, um, so just because maybe you don't get paid for it doesn't mean that you, Well, and I say that, like, that's not your day job, Um, you know, like, and and I think there's a lot of people who feel that way, too, like, oh, well, that's not my day job, I just dabble in security, and I think to myself, like, um, holy shit, you guys, like, and and Steve, I think, is laughing because he's the same way, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I just make shit talk to each other, that's, I don't know. So, so for those who don't know, um, Steve is a sysadmin right now. Yeah. And, um, but, well, but you have a side hustle as well that is cyber. Yes. So. Yes. Yeah, I think, so it's, so this is totally why I wanted to pick the three of us to talk about this. Like, I had considered trying to find somebody, you know, like some kind of, psychologist to talk about like how do you you know get out of that and I think I think 
I think it's a combination of recognizing, once you recognize, I feel like once you recognize that you have imposter syndrome, that's like half the battle. Once you understand that there's a term for what you feel as inadequate, um, then all of a sudden you go, okay, well maybe it's just imposter syndrome and I'm not really stupid. But like you said, Nick, like I feel like every day when I work, I work with some really amazing people and some like really smart people and they've been doing it longer and like they have more knowledge in different things. And, um, and so I'm constantly like feeling like, okay, that's what I'm striving for. And I'm trying to make sure that, you know, I want to learn that and I want to learn that and I want to learn that. And so I do definitely use it. Like you said, like using it as a, as a driving force to continue yeah. to learn. Yeah, I agree with that as well. That's, I mean, <clears throat> what, what better driving force than to, to place your, your own self value against others that, really? you know, whatever it's yeah. And, and you bring up a good point. Um, as far as identifying it, because I was talking to a, a good friend of mine that I've worked with in the past and we just, you know, we, we don't talk often, but when we do, it's usually a long, really good conversation. And he was talking about changing positions. And so I started, you know, encouraging him and, and kind of talking him through some of the things that I went through um, when I left when we were working together. And the whole conversation um, was pretty much me talking to him about the things that I feel and went through, you know, and imposter syndrome. And as soon as it was like a light switch went off for him and he's like, holy shit, that's a thing. And I'm like, yeah, that's a thing. That's not just you. And, uh, yeah, it was, and it was a whole, you know, the conversation was a bunch of epiphanies and, you know, I give great advice, but I don't take it myself. Isn't that always the way though? Yeah. I'm exactly the same way. I've, I've started to file it under the assumption that people that are, that want to, actually do well in what they do uh, will probably put themselves into a situation where they have similar characteristics characteristics aha, to drink of imposter syndrome um, because we're always going to feel like we're not quite there where we need to be in order to do the job and that's going to drive us to be a little bit more a little bit more a little bit more and people can tell you all day long you're the best at this nobody else is doing this but you, then you're like yeah but I could have done this and I could have done that and the hard part is taking that negativity and turning it from, oh, I'm just going to lay in bed all day, eat ice cream and stare at the ceiling, to, you know what? I can, can I cuss? Yes, I've been cussing. All right, all right. So I, first I always... off, I'm going to, I, I, I almost did. I went, wait a minute. So, you know, like, instead of using that, you know what? I can fucking change that. I have the power to change this situation. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to apply my, my power to do that, to actually change the reality around me. And even though it's just in your head that you're not where you need to be, but I, I totally see it as a driving force. And yes, I was nervous. I was insane going up to before I spoke. So it was the first time I've ever, ever going to speak in public in a cybersecurity space. Right. But I also, it made me, when I wasn't at the conference, I was studying. I was going through, uh, I have a, a lamb schematic from a C-17. I was flipping through that. I was looking at frequencies. I was looking at bus systems and things like that. And then it got to the point where when I got, when I was able to speak in front of people, I felt like I could answer any question in front of me because I put all the footwork in. It might've been, 
it might have been nine hours of insanity making myself crazy, but it was one of those things where I wouldn't have been able to do it without using what imposter syndrome might put me into to push myself through that. And then, I mean, just to say the end of that was not only did Nick do an amazing presentation, um, the room, I think it was close to standing room. I think it was, it was pretty packed in there with, with all the people that came in, but at the end of it, Nick was asked to, so when Nick did it, it was on a, um, a new speakers, uh, stage, which was smaller kind of backstage. It was like almost like in a green room type of area. And, um, I mean, there were still a decent amount of people that were there, but <clears throat> at the end, Steve, Steve, Nick was asked to be on the main stage for the next upcoming, um, conference that they were doing. So that just goes to show like your, your imposter syndrome, um, motivation ended up like totally yielding you something amazing afterwards. So I think oh, you, yeah. I think you totally hit it. Like we should definitely not like, don't eat ice cream in bed, staring at the ceiling going, I suck. And so I might as well just give up, like use that as a motivational force to continue to learn to, cause like we're lucky right now because, you know, 20, you know, 30 years ago, um, the information was not as readily accessible to us yeah. as it is now. You can pretty much get a cybersecurity degree, the knowledge that you would get from a cybersecurity degree online for free. You know, you can watch YouTube videos and, you know, um, and, and get pretty much like with the information that's out there, you can learn everything without having to have like some kind of formal education. And um, it's, it it's intrinsic motivation. It's yes. up to that point, you know, you don't yes. really have an excuse. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. That person, but the truth is if, if, if you go, okay, I want to get into cybersecurity. Yeah, but I can't afford the classes. And then you could say, well, why don't you just pay for a test? Well, what's on the test? I'm like, I will look online. I bet you, you can find everything. Right. You know, and, yeah. and then it just becomes a matter of not having the information available. It's what are not they, how bad they want it, you know? Exactly. You want it bad enough to, to do the footwork, <clears throat> to spend three or four hours a day online watching videos and, and maybe doing a, a CTF every now and then or participating in the thing we were talking about, the, the CCDC, you know, the cybersecurity defense competition. Just throwing yourself out there going, okay, I'm going to fail probably because I'm new to this. Right. And we did. We came in last place and I was probably the weakest team member, but that was the most two days of eight hour work shift fun that I've ever had. Absolutely. And it was just, and I learned a lot. And there's, there's a lot of like free courses like that you can find online that will tell you how to set up a lab. It'll tell you how, like from you barely know anything to, you know, how to, you know, pop your first box. Like there's a lot of, there, there's so much amazing information out there. And I think that's really awesome that like, there is no excuse at this point in the tech world. You can just do it. So yeah, utilizing that, um, that imposter syndrome, I think is really important. And one more thing I wanted to throw out on that, since we're talking about training stuff, if, if you're a military contractor or if you're in the military, you have a thing called fed VTE, Victor Tango echo. It's free. It's videos, it's tests. And I use that to do my CISP studying. And I, uh, while I was deployed, I did certified ethical hacking. I didn't take the test, but it was just fun to learn everything. 
but they're the courses are updated every year and it just it always stays up to date so if anybody's in that and it has that government email address you can sign up for fed vte and then that stuff's more than readily available it's all organized too and you said like it's a gov email address so even if you're a contractor or yeah as long as you have a gov email address you can sign up for that yeah i haven't used that before but i've heard nothing but good things about it and this is like it this is like a um on your own type of class that's so that's awesome the CISP stuff that i'm looking at is videos mostly but the uh, certified ethical hacker uh, because we were in the in the deployed environment and it's loud and there's everybody, everybody's around me, I ended up doing the online tests. So I would do a bunch of multiple choice tests and they would have a lesson that was a couple of pages and then you go back to the tests. Uh, and, which, and for people, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, uh, go for it. Now, for people who don't have a gov email address, um, I, I definitely recommend like scouring the Twitters too because um, there's some people, I just downloaded a practical ethical hacking course um, from, I thought it was pronounced Udemy, but the instructor pronounced it Udemy. So um, <laughs> I, it was weird. I kept hearing him say Udemy and I thought Udemy the entire time. But anyways, um, the instructor happened to put it out for free um, on Twitter for a couple of hours. And I've seen that before um, with other people where they, you know, like different instructors who, because I, I, I don't know all of how they work, but um, I know that, uh, that like, the, I think the instructors have the say on like kind of when their pricing is, you know, lowered or whatever. So yeah, it was, it was put out for free for like three hours and, um, and people like look for stuff like that because that's like a full on course. It tells you how to set up your labs. Um, it goes through, you know, like, like everything with, with, um, you know, penetration testing. So depending on like, I think, honestly, I think probably the most difficult thing in cybersecurity is picking like a specialty or like an avenue that you want to go because there's red team, blue team, purple team. There's a lot of stuff. And then when you get into those different fields, there's so many things like I do a lot of red teaming stuff that I do now, but I'm not a pen tester. You know, like, so there's, there's just so many areas. And while I'm thinking about it, I would like to say, cause you know, we kind of, we kind of touch on people getting into InfoSec every time we do one of these, um, is when you're applying for stuff or when you're looking to apply for stuff, don't look at, look at just kind of what the requirements are. Don't necessarily go, well, I don't know how to do any of that stuff. But the, but the requirements are things that I need. If you meet the requirements, then they are going to teach you. They're going to help you through it. They're going to help you figure it out. Um, if you meet the requirements, 75% apply. Yeah. Don't- yeah, that's, that's something that I try to tell people that are interested in changing roles or whatever. It's like, um, don't rule yourself out. Let somebody else do it for you because exactly. that's like, especially for people with our personality types, right? Like, cause I, every time I am immediately going to undervalue myself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think that like any time, especially when you have imposter syndrome, like it almost compounds. Like I think the biggest, like we kind of mentioned before, like the biggest thing is once you have like determined that, Oh, um, 
that uh, that that you have imposter syndrome, that you identify with that, um, go okay. I'm not going to let this hold me back because I think that people do that a lot and um, don't realize that honestly. In the so I came from a um, local government background <clears throat> and. I was a firefighter and then I was a cop and you know, over there, like you have to meet these requirements. If you don't, if you don't check, if there's 10 boxes and you don't check all 10 boxes, you don't get hired. Like, I'm sorry, you miss box number nine. And so like, I assumed when I went out into the corporate world that it was going to be the same thing. And there was something that just told me like, you don't, you don't like you, you've got nine out of the 10 boxes and just put it in. And so I did and I got the job. And like, people need to understand that. Like, you don't need to meet all 10 boxes. That's what they want, but they will take less than that if you're the right candidate for them. So. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, That was something when, um, when I got into IT, it was for the government. And then when I transitioned to public sector, um, I didn't expect all of that when I, when I applied and got this position and I was on a team of nine other people and the mindset was, you know, we're a team. Everybody has the one thing that they kind of specialize in. And then everybody else just kind of works together to figure out whatever the rest is. And it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. A team. That makes sense. (laughs) And and like for me, going back to like um, checking all the boxes, uh, me personally, I don't like to go into something new unless like, unless I know it. It's so weird. Like for CEH, um, I played around with uh, basically everything that's in that course unknowingly and and um, somebody had given me one of the books and I looked through and I'm like, oh wow, this is all the stuff that I've been doing for fun. This is perfect. Now I'm ready to take it instead of like going and doing training and jumping into something I'm not comfortable with. It's like I want to be comfortable before I go into it that seems to be the only way that I value myself appropriately. I I totally get that. It's funny you say it's something that you're interested in and then you get into an academic environment and you're like, Oh, I've been doing this forever. I felt that way when I went into a security plus class uh, on a deployment, they just had one available. I signed up for it. Total fucking luck. But while I was in there, it was principles and things that I understood. I understood user groups. I understood, um, you know, uh, how to separate things out, uh, how to roll back. I understood all the stuff. I didn't know what it was called. I didn't know the titles. I didn't know the verbiage. Right. The terminology. Right. But I've been doing it, you know, and, and it's just because at home I was setting up virtual machines. I was building lamp stacks. I was doing all that stuff because I wanted to. And then it was really amazing. And that, that did give me a little bit of confidence when I went into the security plus class and found that I understood the fundamentals because of school of hard knocks, basically. And there's a lot of times I'll take full pride in saying, yeah, I learned that in school of hard knocks. And then somebody will show me something. I'm like, wow, that looked easy. 
I've been doing it the hard way for the last 10 years. You know, right. it takes me days to do that. And you did it in a few seconds because you know this shortcut. But I don't get mad. I, I love learning that stuff. Um, it's the same thing with going to a talk about something you think you know everything about or reading a, reading a manual, a user manual on something you think you know everything about. And then you learn something. One or two little tiny things. And I, and I freaking love that. And yeah, even if it's keyboard shortcut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love keyboard shortcuts. Me too. I have a I have a coworker who whenever we like um, screen share or you know before the before the Rona when we when we actually showed up to an office um, when he would when he would shoulder surf and show me how to do stuff he would always be like hey you know you can do like control command blah and it'll and I love those and he'd be like I just and like it was funny because I remember one time he was like I'm not trying to whatever like I just you know like shortcuts and I'm like no give me all the shortcuts because I love that's like one of my favorite things is, is shortcuts yeah. to this day the most um helpful shortcut I have ever learned was um control shift t on windows or command shift t on mac which brings back a, a tab if you don't know that um yeah. if you so like I remember one time I had made it through I had written an entire report and um, when I was a SOC analyst, we, I can't, we used um, request track. No, I don't remember. It doesn't matter. So whatever it was, it was a web app. And I had written this entire report and then I went to click into a different tab. And because like I have like a thousand open tabs, I ended up hitting the X and not hitting the little tiny tab no. and it closed. And I almost lost my mind. And I sent, uh, um, we used uh, Skype for business and I sent, I sent a Skype to a coworker and I was like, you don't know any magic voodoo to bring back tabs, do you, that you just accidentally closed? And he, and he, I think he thought I was like joking because he was like, control shift T question mark. Yeah. And I, and I was like, I, and I did that and it came back and everything was still in the forms. I wanted yeah. to kiss that motherfucker. <laughs> I was like, and it's funny because every so often I still use that and, and it works on Mac just the same, but like I, every so often I use that and like when it's really like, holy shit, that just saved my life. Um, like there's been times I have messaged him and been like, just FYI. Um, and I'm sure it means nothing to him, but I'm like, holy shit, that just saved my ass again. <laughs> So I'm a yeah. huge proponent for the uh, for the for the keyboard shortcuts, but I, I totally get that. And, and while we're talking about this stuff, I was just kind of thinking about it a little bit more. It was like maybe, um, and this is free flow, so like it's not like I thought any of this stuff through. I'm, uh, but maybe if some of the imposter syndrome comes from the fact that we're comparing ourselves to other people, hundred uh, percent. You yeah. know, um, it could easily be some of that, you know, our own abilities, our own histories and past experiences are going to give us a completely different breadth of knowledge than somebody else. You know, like if I were to compare myself to Geek Steve, who's an admin and been an admin, and I'm trying to say, well, he knows all this stuff and I don't know all this stuff, you know, and, and I'm I, stupid I because I don't know all the things that he yeah, knows. Exactly. I don't know. I don't know how to be a good sysadmin because I've never done that before. I'm a, I'm a fucking idiot, you know, and, and I don't know what I'm doing. I don't belong here. And I, I think um, that might be part of it too, is we need to learn what our own 
gifts are it, our, our own strengths in those areas, you know? Well, yeah. and I'd like to, I, I want to build on that because when you work in an office, like it's, when you, I'm looking for something to draw on. When you work in an <laughs> office um, with a bunch We're of people, <laughs> I know, right? So when you work in an office with a bunch of people and you guys all do similar jobs, <clears throat> you don't necessarily think about what their background is, right? So if the three of us were all working in an office doing, you know, like what the fuck ever, IR work, for example. Um, yeah, I, I need help, IR work? Incident response, thank, thank you. you. Thank you for doing that. Um, yeah, because I'm sure other people would have been like, what? Um, <laughs> so like, yeah, if we were doing some, if we were on an incident response team and, you know, we're looking at, a, an alert maybe and we're trying to figure out what's going on here and you can run down a rabbit hole with some alerts where you're just like I don't know what the fuck and I always hit the easy button if there's a user that I can reach out to I do um, because while some people may be like eh, no you should look into it first and figure it out before you contact a user because what if it's like insider threat or some shit um, I still, for the most part would re unless I felt like there was a reason why I shouldn't, but I would re I would reach out to the user and go, Hey, what you doing? And because all our shit is still backed up, right? Especially in, in a decent sized enterprise. So like, it's not like they're going to like wipe their computer and all of a sudden like their network traffic goes away. Um, so you know, like I would reach out to them and if it's a sysadmin especially because they're going to be like, oh yeah, that's like just blah, blah, blah. Because we would get a lot of um, alerts for suspicious PowerShell commands. And you, and like when you learn what the PowerShell command does, you're like, hell yeah, this shit looks sketch as hell. But then, you know, when you talk to them, you're like, oh, but it's, I get why they use that command. It's this, right? And so if the three of us are sitting in a sock together and we're not reaching out to the user for some dumb reason, um, we like Steve's going to be like, Oh, that's for this. Like as a sysadmin, he may know like, Oh yeah. Like I've done that before, but like I haven't, right. Like I was a freaking like forensics, um, uh, analyst for a police department. I looked at dead box forensics. I didn't do sysadmin stuff. I don't know what PowerShell commands are unless I Google that shit. So like, and I did a lot of that as well while I was waiting for that sysadmin to like finish doing whatever the fuck he was doing because like, it's not like they're sitting at the box going while the shit's going, right? So like I would start Googling the things while I was waiting for a response. And, um, and so, but like, if we're in the same room together and we see each other, we expect that we should be at the same level, right? Because we're doing the same job. We're right. on the same team. We think that the people that we're working with are on our level and sometimes they're not. And this, so this is a horrible pictographic representation of what I was trying to say, but so you guys have seen this, right? It's the three circles. Okay. And yeah. it's like, it's like what I know is in this circle. What Steve yeah, knows right. is the in this diagram. Yeah. And then in this little teeny tiny space here is what we all know together. Right? Like the light sucks on this. But anyways, the point is, is that we each have this vast amount of knowledge that we bring to the table. And it's understanding that like, while our knowledge gap 
does overlap some, there's a lot of things that each person brings to the table that another person doesn't. So that's the long-winded, what I'm trying to no, say is that we, we all bring something to the table and it's important for us to remember because like when I, my very first job, I worked with a guy, a couple, I say a guy, like I worked with some brilliant people and we were doing incident response. I was a SOC analyst and there was other SOC analysts and then our, our incident response team that was like our escalation team. And I would look and watch these, these people. And like one of the guys had just left the SOC and got hired on the incident response team or IRT. And I remember thinking like, I would watch him do stuff and like find things. And I was like, what the fuck, yo? Like, you're so smart. And I have so far to go when really the reality was, is it wasn't voodoo magic. A lot of it was Googling and learning how to Google is important as fuck. So people listening, like learn how to Google, Google dorking. Um, or DuckDuckGo. Or DuckDuckGoing, like whatever. <laughs> learn, learn how to search for the things that you need because right. odds are it's out there and somebody else has dealt with it. But yeah, definitely try not to compare yourself to your colleagues because, you know, you may just have some really smart motherfuckers. And I hope Steve tells the story about his that he compared himself against or I'm calling him out. <laughs> oh, which, which one are you talking about? I'm totally lost right now. Um, the guy that you work with that's blind? Oh, Sam. Yeah, this, yeah, Sam is next level. Like, he's, he's next level. He's blind. He, he just transitioned from, um, out of the position as the, uh, the, the, um, leader of the Debian project. Um, he's one of my favorite. He's, he's, uh, MIT graduate. Um, oh, should I know that? He just did this, uh, this really cool audio. So he, he likes DJ and, um, he made up this, um, this audio piece for, uh, DebConf, which is a Debian conference. And it's awesome. And uh, so he, he linked us at work and he was like, yeah, what, uh, you know, this is a, a little thing that, that I did. Um, and we were like, you know, how, how did you do that? And he's like, yeah, all the audio software that's out there all has, it's all GUI based. So he's like, I just, I had to write my own. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. So yeah, there's no comparison. I can't even begin to comp compare myself. But he's also, he, I mean, he's also the leader of the Debian project. I mean, think about what it takes to get to that point. Oh, he's yeah. Been, yeah, he's, he's been, been kick ass on CLI stuff. Absolutely. Well, yeah, he's, go, ahead. go ahead. Well, what I found really interesting was that Steve said that um, he, like, when he's running through, like, code or he's running through, like, you know, whatever network traffic, like, it's all audio. And yeah. Steve said it's going, it's going at, like, two to three times the normal speaking speed. And he is able to go, oh, there's the, there's the issue. Like, yeah. Um, so he's, 
he's written uh, a lot of the original um, like text-to-speech software for Debian and um, like I hadn't known him 24 hours and we were in this exercise together and it's comical he's got this laptop with a busted screen and I have a screen <laughs> he, right. <laughs> right. and um and there's something wrong with the network and he fires up tcp dump mm. and all we hear is packet data blah, 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 blah. and he's just like sitting there you know just kind of listening uh and then he stops and he's like oh hold on that's what it is and he stops tcp dump and he fixes it and it's like what what just happened it's, but yeah, you, you tend to try and compare yourself to that because that's, yeah, absolutely. that's what's in your world. And you yeah. go, I got to, yeah. I got a, I got a trick for me for that. So um, I grew up in a trailer park. So like I was, I never wore clothes until I was like 10. I ran around the neighborhood barefoot wearing underwear with a Kool-Aid stand down the front of my chest. And so, like I said, when I compare it to where I come from, and what I've been able to accomplish due to that, I think I'm doing okay. But if yeah. I'm going to compare myself to like my lieutenant commander over at the maintenance group and where he came from and what he's done and all the different uh, missions that he's been part of and things like that, I'm going to feel like about that big, you know, and, and I have the same problem, Steve. I do it all the damn time. And then I remember, okay, I was the kid that was supposed to live on child support. Uh, you know, I lived on child support when I was a kid. I'm supposed to live off of the government growing up without a job. And instead I ended up doing this. And so when I compare my own yardstick to myself and my own accomplishments, I find that I'm actually doing pretty well. I'm doing okay. Yeah, I can, I can live with that. Fucker. I love that. No, that's perfect. That's how I push myself through this stuff. Um, no, Nick, that's amazing. We don't all start at the same starting line. Yeah. You know, if I, if I had grown up in a family and, this might be the punk rock part of me who needs a mohawk talking about this. But if I grew up in a, in a, you know, the man's house, all rich and shit, and I started out underneath a congressman's son, and I've already got a school lined up for me and everything, and I don't and I accomplished ooh, a, a bachelor's degree or doctorate because it was given to me because of honor. It's, I mean, really, did I accomplish anything where I started and where I got to? Yeah. And then, and, and, I well, keep I, reminding myself of that every time I get down on myself and I think I'm, I'm not getting where I need to be. I always remember, okay, my starting point was at this. And so this is where I'm working to, you know? And I think that's so important. Like even I'm sure there are those people out there who were given, uh, who had privilege and um, still worked hard. I think that what you said, the best thing is like, your yardstick is, should be yourself. It shouldn't be the dude next to you. It needs to be where you are now, where you were then, and where you're going to be. And really and truly, I think you, you nailed it, Nick, earlier when you said it needs to come down to what you're willing to put into it, right? Like if you're, if you're motivated and you're willing to put in that time, like the fucking like sky's the limit on that because yeah. the the information is available and i think one important thing to for people to understand is that 
don't think that you need to go into a place necessarily and have some crazy fancy degree from MIT or from, you know, some amazing school. Like you just need to do you because honestly, one of the, one of the most intelligent, excuse me. Hey, I'm doing it too. It's okay. I'm, I'm burping, I'm burping up uh, scotch. Smoke. <laughs> Smoke for reals. Um, one of the most brilliant pen testers that I know to date um, his name is Adam. So shout out to Adam. He probably doesn't listen. He's probably like fucking pen test in a box, but, um, I worked with Adam at my, at my first cyber job and he was on our incident response team. And during the time that I was there, he was going through his four year degree, but yet Adam was on the incident response team, which is, you know, I, I always think of things in terms of like law enforcement, <laughs> Um, and, and that's kind of the, that's like the, the, you know, that's one step up from like the SOC analyst, right? Maybe not one step. It's probably two steps, but there's no step in between that. But anyways, he, um, he was on our incident response team. He was pretty much like, like the lead pen tester, um, you know, from the inside, it was probably more purple team than anything, because obviously he's seeing what's going on on both sides of things. But like, um, when they were doing pen tests, he was always the one leading that. Um, and just this absolutely brilliant fucking hacker. And he had just started his four year degree. And I, cause, and the only reason I even know that is because at one point he was like, I'm taking a speech class online and I need some people to like sit in a room while I video record myself talking about <laughs> a topic. And so like all the SOC analysts were like, Sure. You know, and we all went in and, and we listened to him talk about Bitcoin for his speech class. And I always thought that was like, that was something, I don't know, it just stuck with me because it was like this guy made his way through the company. Um, I don't know his entire path. I should totally bring Adam on here. Um, <laughs> I don't know his entire pathway to get to where he was when I left, but he was just fucking brilliant. And like, I learned so much from him and it was actually funny because he went remote not long after I started working there. And then we actually, like, I started to interact with him more after he was remote because I found that he was one of those guys who he, like you, Nick, like he, he learned all this stuff on his own. You could tell, like, this was just a guy who like enjoyed, um, hacking right and he did it obviously for good purposes I, I assume <laughs> um I mean he had you know he had clearances so I'm sure but like he he enjoyed it he learned it he like consumed it all the time he was always up to date on what the latest cybersecurity news was and the latest volumes and what's going on and um and this was a guy like he he could explain it to somebody like me a dumb cop that came in there he could explain shit to me in ways that i understood it um because like you had mentioned before nick like i didn't know the terminology for a lot of things i learned a, a bunch but like there was just you know like i used different words than were like correct or like the the typical verbiage that people would use and so I say all that to say that like you can get to where you want to be in cybersecurity without necessarily having, you know, your typical background of 
um, you know, having a, a four-year degree and a master's and whatever from whoever. Um, it may be a little more difficult, well, you, unfortunately. You know where I am in my education. I mean, I don't even have a bachelor's degree and I, I'm working towards it right now. But because of the, and, and, and I tell my airmen this because to get an associate's degree was so easy in the Air Force because my tech school filled in most of the gaps. I had to do one or two cleps and I suddenly have a degree. Oh, wow. That's nice, yeah. though. Yeah, aeronautical engineering degree. It sounds fancy, but it's not that big a deal. But the uh, the bachelor's degree that I'm working to, I'm getting more um, benefit. I'm getting more value out of the classes that I'm taking than I am the degree itself. In fact, two of the things that I talked about in my talk came from one of my classes because they covered something that I had no idea existed. And then it made me go into the commercial market of aviation and look up stuff. And so that's, that's what I want to give to anybody is, okay, you may not hit that goalpost because basically a degree is a save point. That's what it is. It literally yeah. is a save point. But if you don't get to that save point, you're still going to get value out of the stuff that you, you're, you're working through. And it's always available there in the future because you can hold and keep going where you are. But once you hit that save point, you're going to have a degree and you're good to go. Uh, it's just, you know, like I said, where I come from and where I am now, there's a you know, nobody in my family really has a college degree. So it's, yeah. you know, once again, school is a huge deal to me personally. Yeah. It wouldn't be to a lot of other people. And you don't need school as much as school is going to teach you to how to communicate. Like you said, we don't understand the verbiage, but because in my case, I took security plus in his case, he was going to school. He understood, oh, that's what that's called. That's what I want to communicate to everyone else because that's the standard. You're not going to understand those standards until you get that formal education. The formal education is not really there to teach you and teach you new things. It's there to teach you how to communicate things among a common thread of understanding. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I There's one more thing I want to like um, that I had written down on my little notes that I wanted to mention. Um, and then we'll start wrapping things up because I think we're nearing an hour, but God, this has been fun. Um, it's kind of along the same lines of like comparing our experiences. You know, we, I didn't realize that like, I got, I was very lucky. I started my cybersecurity career in a um, fairly decently sized defense contractor. Um, and I worked with some really, really smart people, right? Um, like I mentioned, Adam, who was just like brilliant. And, um, and because his name is, is Vanilla John, I'm gonna call him out too. Um, I learned a shit ton <laughs> from John. John was like probably one of my favorite people there because he, and, and John was another one who was very down to earth and could explain things to me in a way that a dumb cop would understand it. And, See, you, know, you, keep, you keep denoting yourself as a dumb cop. It, I, I, and I'm sure Steve would agree with me. It takes a lot of integrity and it takes a lot of intelligence, social intelligence, mostly to be a cop. Well, thank do you. that job. You know what I mean? It's, I can't de-escalate a situation with a meth head and her boyfriend, but you know, yeah. you know how to deal with that. I, yeah. I, I'm just saying mad respect. Don't keep calling yourself a dumb cop. <laughs> Thank you. But you know what, though? Like, I can de-escalate a situation pretty well. Um, that doesn't mean shit when I'm trying to figure out, is this just an NMAP scan or is it a DDoS? Actually, 
I'm going to point yeah. out an observation that I made. Ooh. When, so earlier you were talking about, um, I think you said when you were a SOC analyst, how it was like the first thing you did was you, you know, you'd reach out to a human. And I would imagine that with police work, that's what you do to get the truth. And so in that position for you, your way of getting that truth was to go directly to the human. Totally. Because honestly, there was times that people, I feel like if somebody's not telling the truth, you can always tell. And so like, there was a few times where like I had alerts and I reached out to people and they gave me like weird sketchy answers that you could tell were just not true. And it was, and it's almost always because somebody's watching and it's not even like the worst of the worst, right? Like the worst of the worst would be maybe somebody's like watching porn or, you know, like something worse, like on their company computer, which we would see from time to time. But like, sometimes people were just like watching like videos and they were like, one guy was watching just like normal anime. He, he was into anime and he would stream anime from like some Japanese websites that would re- that would reach out to some websites. It, it would prefetch um, stuff that was on our alert. <laughs> and so when you would do a little bit of looking, you would be like, oh, okay, that's probably what they were doing. And then like, I would sometimes, I will confess, sometimes I liked messing with people just a little bit because like, dude, why are you watching anime in your skiff? Mm-hmm. Um, and so- In a skiff? Especially well, in a skiff? I'm assuming- Time of day though. I'm assuming it's a skiff because otherwise, oh, why wouldn't fuck. you- Well, I'm assuming that because why else wouldn't you- do it on your phone. Um, well, you need to understand that my my experiences with a skiff consist of drone piloting because I did their TO system, their technical order system. Gotcha. It's, it's highly controlled and ridiculous down there. So the idea of watching anime on a skiff is uh, well, and it could just be that it could just be that he was he was in a room. I had a total opposite experience with a skiff. It could be too that the guy was just in a room that had horrible reception. That's why he didn't use his phone. But regardless, you shouldn't he, have your phone in a skiff. It's not he, allowed. Well, no, that's what. No, I'm saying two different things. He may not have been in a skiff. He may have just okay, been in a, okay. in a location because, like, um, some of the areas were very old and they were like very bunker ish. <laughs> yeah. But, um. Anyways, like we had several campuses. But anyways, like what was funny was it had alerted two days in a row, and I was like. Listen, I don't give a fuck what you do at work if it does not change what I have to do at work. So if I'm going to have to spend 20 minutes trying to make sure that you're just watching whatever and that it's not, you know, APT, um, I'm going to reach out to you and give you some shit. So I, I messaged him and I was like, hey, just wanted to, you know, basically make sure that, you know, nothing, you haven't downloaded any malware. And it was like, uh... I said, and essentially he tried to be like, um, I don't know what you're talking about. And then like, I was like, well, blah, blah, blah. Are you familiar with whatever the anime was that he was streaming? And he was like, no, and here's, the funny, <laughs> here, here's the funny part. His Skype avatar was anime. So I was like, Aww. bet you shut it. So, come on. Yeah, come on. Don't oust a weeboo. Come right? on. So I said, well, I see that you went there two days in a row. And he, he tried to be like, Oh, I accidentally clicked on a Google link. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, really? Two days in a row? Yeah. 
but uh, <laughs> totally but anyways what's funny is you know like so that part when dealing with people and trying to figure out like is this person telling the truth um is it something we need to look more into there was a couple of times that i was just very lucky that my you know because i was a detective before i got into doing um computer forensics that that um understanding human behavior even through you know skype messaging um that that was just very easy for me i think a lot of people honestly i think more of the people did not reach out to the users because they didn't like to interact with people it's oh, the, you know it's it's the it's the culture that we have made where like it's so much easier to text message someone than it is to pick up a phone and call and like everybody listening knows that when your phone rings you look at it and you go Mm, who's calling me? Like, we'll talk to them on. later. You, you didn't, wanna, you didn't you text me an, first? You want to know an old sysadmin trick? User reaches out, give them about 10 minutes, I guarantee about six times out of 10, they'll come up with a fix on their own. <laughs> right? Because you don't want to have to reach out. But yeah, so I mean, like, there's stuff like that that I would see definitely that, you know, just because I know because people would be like users lie well yeah but you can tell when they lie so or at least i could well you can you she can yes you she can and and i guess that's there you go right like so it's an assumption that i make that other people can just like i need ushi on my sock to help get through that bullshit user stuff <laughs> I, well you know it's funny because there was times that i would i would get messages from the other analysts um we worked um uh, 10 hour shifts and we had two separate sides of the week. And so like we either worked, um, what do we work? Sunday through Wednesday. I'm sorry, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah, Sunday through Wednesday or Wednesday through whatever. Um, so we overlapped on, on one day. We had um, one day that we all worked together. And so um, I, I would work with them and they would be like, oh my God, we had this one. And like everybody wanted to reach out and be like, and, like, and it was, you know, it was something like I, they were watching something that they weren't supposed to be. But as the sock, you it, there were certain things that we would report, and some things that we were like, we don't care. So we're not policing. Um, we're here to make sure that nobody is, you know, jeopardizing the um, the network. We're not here to police the people. That's what insider threat and the um, counter intel like that team did right. that. Um, so it had to meet a certain level before we would like, be like, Hey, you know, but some people would get like me, right? Like, dude, two days in a row, you're alerting because, you know, you have prefetch turned on on your browser. Um, and as a SOC analyst, I hated the fact that prefetch even existed because the very first thing we would do when we created a new profile on a computer was turn prefetch off. And honestly, I never saw a damn bit of difference. Um, in, in the, um, in how the, the performance was, but anyways, yeah. So like, I, so I would at any moment that I could say, like, I would recommend that maybe you turn prefetch off on your browser, um, so that I don't get notified of whatever, like ads are reaching out to some malicious domain, but, yeah. um, but yeah, so you're right. There's, um, there's we all bring something to the table, I guess, is, is what. Oh, I get, I get, I get fucking semi over segments. So if it's RF and signal intelligence, uh, uh, <laughs> that's my area. 
That's so great. I, but, I, but I know a lot of people don't do that, you know. Yeah. I'm an FCC grow, I'm ham licensed, and I love signal intelligence. Like, okay, for instance, with your baby monitor, I know that the VHF signal on your baby monitor is interfering with your microphone. So, Can you, you hear know, it? Or you just right know, we talked. Okay, good. Well, it's because you said it earlier, and I yeah. said, was it near your microphone? You said it was behind yeah. it. Yep. That's my jam. That's that's where I love to hang out. Not a lot of people like that stuff. It's just yeah. right because that's coming what from a, you. right, I'm a radio radar guy, and that's where I come from is signal intelligence. So, you being able to read people is super awesome in a sock because I'm sure a lot of people don't have that skill set. So we can sit here all day and say, you know, uh, I have imposter syndrome, but I mean, you are a glorious addition to like a sock, being able to read people because cops, I've, cops have read my mind several times when I do shit and I'm talking to them. I've never had any bad run-ins with them, but it's just like, oh right. yeah, that's what I was up to. I, I need to go home right? type of thing because they, they, you, you interact with so many people and you have practice with them. So and a lot of it is just yeah. a, a lot of it is just um, common sense as well. And if you have a little bit of experience, okay, common sense isn't so common. So don't that, even start with that. Amen. Amen with yeah. that. That my stepdad used to say that all the time. Common sense is common sense is not a common thing. No, you're totally right. Some of it, is, it you know what it is is it, it's experience. And the best cops are the cops who did dumb shit. You know, not horrible shit, but like dumb shit, right? Like we've all you know, we, we've all run around in the, in the woods or not, we have all, but you know, like <laughs> I, when I was growing up, I used to run around in the woods and, you know, I would do dumb stuff and I would, you know, go hang out with my friends and sneak this and, you know, whatever. And so I think like when you have experience to draw from, that makes that seem like they're reading your mind when really they're like, I remember doing well, that. I have mad respect for police officers because I've been in situations where I'm deployed and I have to be a security forces while I'm deployed. And what you guys do when it comes to de-escalation and a good cop. I mean, there's some people that just want to get into it because they're bullies. Right. But there's cops that actually like, hey, I'm part of this community. I can make this community better by being a law enforcement officer. Yeah. And I have mad respect for them. Uh, the cops in my little last town here, they're, they're terrific people. I've met most of them because, you know, drunk in public, let's not get into that, but <laughs> they're, they're all terrific people and I've never had a negative experience with them. It's the worst I've ever had was you're really drunk. You need to go home. I'm like, right. yes, sir. No big deal. I'll go home. Right. But, but they, they're part of the community. I don't see them as an outside presence. I don't see them as a, as a, uh, you know, like a military force impressing right. us. I see them as part of the community. And they have a investment in the community that they're part of it. And even all the locals that come here and they all know that because, okay, so I don't mind giving myself up. I live in Deadwood, South Dakota. So we have, <laughs> if, if anybody wants to spend $500 to fly out to Deadwood and go hunt in down the middle Nick. of nowhere. Right. And, and yeah. freaking go to Mount Rushmore. By the way, the president's coming here for July 4th. I have to be at work because of that. So I'm not going to get into it. But anyways, police officers, mad respect for them, uh, especially ones that are, see themselves as part of the community and are just there to 
help make things better around the community. And when they're part of it, it's, it's amazing. It's actually an amazing thing. I always felt like as a police officer, so um, I come from a long line of military people and I didn't get into the military, but I, I was able, I felt like, so this is just my, and I might, you guys might think I'm stupid, but the way that I look at it is, you know, we have our military personnel who they are protecting our country as a whole. And I feel like law enforcement, or at least how I felt like my job as law enforcement was to protect my community, the smaller community, right? So like the military is there to protect kind of almost that outside border. And then law enforcement is protecting the inside border of your community. And Absolutely. that's how I always looked at it. And, you know, I think it's important um, to, so if like there are any law enforcement officers listening, like I always used to tell the guys that I worked with, like the most important things that you can do in anything you do, whether it's law enforcement, whether it's tech, whether it's fucking being a circus clown, when you have people that come in after you, nurture them, give them your knowledge freely, um, sprinkle that shit like it's fucking salt. Well, I eat a lot of salt, but like you get my dress, like that it's free. Give it to them, give them the knowledge, exp teach them, teach the people coming after you the, the ropes, right? Like for me, if I were to teach a new sock analyst, I'd be like, listen, fucking the easy button, bitch, just call the person and say, what the fuck? Or yeah. message them. If you don't want to, if you don't want to call them, message them on Skype and say, but here's the deal. Introvert sock personnel aren't normally going to, that's not their avenue. And that's why I say then, then message them, right? Like you don't right, have necessarily right. have to call them on the phone. Like I would prefer to message somebody than actually talk to them. When our sock phone used to ring, people would like, it would ring like four times before somebody would pick that shit up because nobody wanted to talk. Who the fuck's calling? Like everybody was like, are you going to answer it? Okay. I'm not answering it. All right, Steve, I might be calling you out because we, we distracted Ushi enough when I said you can bring it up if you like. Do you have a story about Camp Buring in Kuwait? <laughs> so no shit, there I was. <laughs> I do want to hear it. I was, um, so... I got to spend a wonderful year at Camp Arif John. And I like Arif John. I actually really liked the place when I was there for six months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not it's not bad. Um, I I knew that my deployment was gonna be easy when I walked down the um, the like aisle between the PCBs and I saw a Starbucks sign. I'm like, okay. Oh yeah, this, you'll be fine. This is gonna be great. <laughs> um, so I had I had gone on leave. Um, the day I got back from leave, they said, tomorrow you're taking a PT test because you're going to um, WLC, which is like you're, you're training to go for me 45. Right. And um, God, I can't believe I'm saying this. No, so go for it. That's why I asked. In, we're in the school and I don't like to be the spotlight for anything. And well, we're you're in the military. And you're the spotlight's a bad place to be. What's that? I said you're in the military. Spotlight's a bad place to be. Yeah, I know. I totally get it. <laughs> so we're doing drill and ceremony, and all I have to do is march five guys around in a circle and then stop them or whatever. In the desert, one building. And near the PCB. 
where do I march these people? Right into the side of the building. And the instructor has his face in his hand and he's laughing hysterically. And he's like, seriously, of all this space you have, that's where you're going to march your people. So. Okay, so in the PCP, we, we lived in the ghetto. You know where I'm talking about, in the southern part of Eric John? Uh, zone 6. Yes, that's yeah. where we stayed when I was there. Yep. Uh, but because we're Air Force, and Ushi, you might get a kick out of this. This is normal Air Force ingenuity. It's an army barracks where everything is like bunk beds all the way down unless yep. open. We built stuff out of plywood and lockers. We made rooms. Two people per room with the bunk beds. That's we had great. privacy because we're Air Force, and that's what we fucking deserve. Yeah, we, <laughs> we did. Yeah, so it's effectively like a 60-man bay. Yeah, it is. And uh, we used 550 cord, and we bought out every blanket and sheet we could out of the PX to hang up as, like, privacy. <laughs> no, I, I didn't mean to call you out, Steve, but you did say, no. Nick, your shirt is triggering me. And I'm like, I got to know what's going yeah. on. Yeah. Especially it. since we distracted Ushi in the middle of her talking. I know. I was like, we got to bring this up. So, believe it or not, our fucked up weird stories, people love that shit. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. It's, (laughs) there's a reason that law enforcement and military get along so well. Like, we do very similar tasks and, and have similar missions, if you will, just on different scales. And, um, and we all know, like, yeah, it's so, there's, it's, it's no surprise to me that the three of us are, are get along so well. well so I, even, I am. I even said that because somebody had brought it up, and I'm going to bring up my Twitter a little bit political stuff. Somebody had said, "Oh, the National Guard's going to be active. People are going to die." And I was like, "You don't know the National Guard." And then mm-hmm. I, um, you saw my post. I was actually presenting what the enlisted oath was, and then I, I and then I showed what the UCMJ was for non-combatant, and yeah. I was like, "To be honest with you." There's a lot of bullies that might be on both sides. And I was like, military members are not that. They're held accountable for their actions and they have yeah. a much held to. I said, military members may be really good for de-escalating what's going on simply because of what we're held accountable for. And me as a military member, I, I fucking think it's fucked up. I, we all bleed the same goddamn color. It does not matter. Yeah. And, Absolutely. And, I've been brought up in the last 20 years of my military service. That's what it is. You know, I serve besides, I serve beside all, all sorts, types, gender, sexual orientation. I don't give a fuck. Same. As long as you do your job. And and it's so unusual to me whenever I see this stuff that's happening right now. And I'm like, what is the problem? I don't see what the issue is, but I'm not going to go into that too much because this is a (laughs) a sec. A whole nother podcast. Right. <laughs> right. I was but like I the said, same thing. Just, but as things went, um, you know, uh, the military getting involved is not a bad thing. They're, they're very good equalizer when it comes to stabilization of things. Um, Sometimes I'm the, you have to change, you have to make a change. So, right. right like, like, because I, of course, can argue that police are held accountable as well unfortunately there's a lot of bad ones out there and sometimes we don't always see when they're held accountable um but i i do think that sometimes we need that if 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 this isn't working then we need to change it to something that is working 
and whether or if it's perceived that it's not working you know sometimes we have to change things up so that we can get the desired result but so i'm going to circle back around because um i think we are i so i realized that um there is no counter on this zoom so i i think that we're probably close to an hour and a half um i do want to say the last i, I want to finish what i was saying earlier which is um and, and I want, so after I say this, I'm going to go through, I want you guys to kind of do like a closing, what you think your, um, your best advice would be to somebody who's listening to this now and having those epiphanies of like, holy shit, I have imposter syndrome. Um, and, and is just realizing it maybe for the first time, or maybe, you know, they, they're just revisiting it and, and it's a refresher that, yeah, holy shit, I do have imposter syndrome. Um, for me, I will say this, um, when you compare yourself, compare yourself, not necessarily to only the people around you, because like, we've all kind of said, like, we've been comparing ourselves to these impossible standards, right? Like to compare yourself, like I'm going to pull Steve's guy up because I didn't say his name earlier because I wasn't sure if you wanted to, but Sam, right? Yes. So Sam has a, like, and, I, and I'm using air quotes for those who can't see me, a disability, we'll call it, where he can't see. However, Sam, please forgive me, this motherfucker is smart as fuck, right? Like yeah. he is able to listen to TCP dump and go- Sam is living the life, I fucking love it. For real, like <laughs> I actually mentioned when Steve told me about Sam, I was like, I, I need Sam on the podcast. So like Sam is able to be like, pause, there's the problem and fix it, <laughs> right? So and the like, rest yeah. of us, the rest of us are over here like, this blind guy who can't even look at TCP packets just figured this shit out way quicker than any of us, right? So I think there's there's so much packed into that story about Sam that I think that we could all like just learn from, which is, holy shit, right? Like this is a dude who's just ridiculously smart and obviously is it, trying to compare yourself to something like that. Like it's just not gonna work. Um, when I you know, I had been comparing myself to all these like smart motherfuckers that I worked with, John, Adam, like there's so many of them, but like, um, you know, when, when I went to a conference with other defense contractors and I came to find out, and then like the more that I've talked to, like gone to other conferences and talked to other people from other companies and whatnot, what I realized was, I was comparing myself to these smart motherfuckers who were super close to me and holy shit, the world is not just these people in front of me. So like, if you happen to work with some really smart people, please know that there are some not so smart people out there that are thriving, right? Start, no. Seriously <laughs> though, like, I think it's important to know that like, there are other, like, like just because you're surrounded by like brilliance and like Steve has a guy who's from, like he graduated from MIT. This guy can pick out what's wrong in, in an audio stream of TCP packets. 
like that is not the norm. That is not everyone, right? Like that is a smart motherfucker. And just like John and Adam are smart motherfuckers who know a lot of stuff. And that doesn't mean that any of us are less because we aren't them. And if you want to be them, I don't know if you could pick out shit in TCP packets. I feel like Sam is like an enigma and he's probably the next Einstein. But, you know, like John and Adam were just like, besides the fact that they're super smart, um, they, they did a lot of work, right? Like I feel like they shouldn't be, they, they're, their contribution shouldn't be diminished by like, oh, they're just really smart motherfuckers. Like, no, they worked. They 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 read and they were constantly um, learning about what's new in cybersecurity and what the the latest everything was. And so, if you're out there and you're thinking like, oh my god, like who am I? And I'm not I'm not as smart as these people. And it's so funny. Like I just like I just got this like you should listen to your own advice like thing that went into my head. <laughs> I think I think it was Steve. Um, <laughs> he's got electrodes in my brain. I'm pretty sure. But like you, we we shouldn't be we shouldn't be comparing ourselves to those who are sitting next to us because those who unless we're comparing like and looking at it with an open mind of these people have this much more experience and they've done all these things. And like, in in the, in what I said earlier about like, if, if the three of us were in, in an incident response team, like Steve has sysadmin experience with, which honestly to me well, absolutely is like, and it's so funny to me that there are so many sysadmins who are trying to break into security and have such a hard time. So if you are somebody who can hire in the security zone, you're doing yourself a, dis, a disservice by not trying to put sysadmins into security roles. I see so many times people who are sysadmins that are like, all they want to do is put me in another sysadmin role. I don't know if it's just that difficult to find a competent sysadmin, but like, holy shit, like to take a sysadmin and put them into security, they're going to understand shit so much better than like the dumb cop. Right. Okay. Well, oh, I know, but, but you get my, my point. My point is, is that like the are these sysadmins, I feel like is like an untapped resource, but anyways, that's a whole nother podcast. So my, so, so I'm going to start off. So my, um, recommendation for somebody who feel is like, holy shit, I'm like so imposter syndrome. I feel like I'm not as good as the people around me. And I feel like there's well, so much dumbass aircraft mechanic. So, you know, and listen, and you know what? That's so funny because I have given you shit for that. I know, like, I know, I know. That's so funny that you that you threw that in my face. But um, <laughs> you're lucky. I love you. But I don't no, do anything above an eighth grade level. <laughs> Whatever. Mm-hmm. You guys are so funny. But like seriously, like, and that's that's so why I wanted the three of us together. But like, people need to know that just because you're sitting next to an MIT grad. Um, doesn't mean that you are any less smart. It doesn't mean that you're any less, um, 
sharp that, that you don't have the potential to be that person. Like it's really just a matter of understanding and learning and you can do that and you don't have to pay for it. You can find YouTube videos or Udemy, Udemy videos. You can find free things on like Cybrary. Um, There's so many resources out there. Shit, you can just fucking search in Twitter and find the information. I love Cybrary. Honestly, like I've done, and like for those listening, we don't get paid by anybody that I have mentioned earlier. No. Um, nobody supports us. I wish that Logavel, Logavel, I can't even say it now. I wish they support us. Yeah, if anybody wants to give us free alcohol, we will fucking drink it. But yep. like, um, but yeah, like Cyberry, I love because their platform is. Um, that their videos will always be free. They do have premium content, which I have subscribed to in the past. Um, and I'll tell you that like when I dealt with their, like I had some issues. And so like I did their like little chat help thing and I ended up talking to like, I, I can't remember now. Was he the president? Um, I can't remember his exact role, but he was definitely like a C-level. And I was like, when he emailed me later to be like, Hey, was your, was your problem resolved? And I saw his, um, his emails, uh, what do you call it? Signature. I was like, Oh no shit. Like, and we like had been chatting back and forth and he, because he recognized my email, um, from the employer that I was using. And so like, we kind of went back and forth and, and so it was just really funny. You just never know who you're talking to, but like, so it's obviously a smaller company. I thought they were much larger. Um, so you think that you're, you're talking to whoever, but they're actually, um, they're a great company. And I, and I love using, like, I tell people all the time, like they have tracks that you can follow through all of their videos without paying anything. And then if you want to use their premium content, um, their premium content's pretty good as well, but like, and, and they don't, they, they aren't paying me a penny to say any of the things well, that I'm saying right now. But VTE, they're not paying me anything, but it has worked out really well for me. So I want people to do that. Yeah. yeah I, I love that that's haven't. out there. If yeah. you're, if you're able to use that and you have a gov email address, definitely. And we'll, um, we'll link shit below. Cause you know, we're going to have a YouTube ish channel soon. So we'll make sure. I'm oh, sh- fuck. Okay. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. Well, that's the show notes. YouTube. Well, add it, yeah, we'll add it to the show notes. Okay, so I'm done. I've given my advice to somebody um, who's trying to deal with their imposter syndrome. So next, who wants to go next with their Well, I was going to say with the imposter syndrome, that insecurity that you feel, use that to drive you. Find the gap in your information and fill it. And you know how to fill it because a lot of you motherfuckers are out there giving talks and you don't feel like you belong there. Find that gap and fill it. You know what it is. Just find that information and take care of it. What if somebody wants to give a talk, but they feel like they have imposter syndrome? What would you say to them as somebody who's recently given a few? You always miss the shots you don't take. Thanks, Wayne. Yeah, I know. It it is a Wayne Gretzky quote, but it is true. You always miss the shots you don't take. And there's and, not going to be anything that harms you from taking a shot. Right. So what if you submit a talk to a security conference and they say, no, we don't want your stuff. Um, John Strand over here at Black Hills Information Security actually said, 
there is an inside group with every conference. And if you're not part of the inside group, it sucks, but you can work your way in there. And, and I appreciated the fact that he was honest about it because a lot of people are not. There is an inside group. They're used to the same people talking at every conference, but you are not going to hurt yourself by submitting a talk to a conference, especially B-sides, because I know B-sides are open as fuck, and they'll let you in. Uh, the Wild West Hacking Fest here in Deadwood, they're really amazing for the uh, first-time speakers, and they're going to do the same thing this year for people that never talked before. They're going to give you an opportunity as long as you have a good concept. Just submit it. Go for it. Uh, look it up online, Wild West Hacking Fest. You can find it online. Is it and is the CFP still open? The for the for Wild West Hacking Fest. No, it's done. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and same thing with DefCon. Somebody told me to submit DefCon, but I missed it. That's okay. Yeah. My my uh, the PR team that I work with <laughs> tried to tell me to submit to DefCon, and I just kept thinking. Are you kidding me? And it's so I, I for it's Defcon. It's, like I almost, I, I it's almost royalty. It's hacker royalty. For I, I almost felt like I needed to like explain to them what Defcon was because they were like, "Oh, there's this," but like I think that's for more for like hackers. And I was like, "Oh, honey, let me <laughs> let me tell you some shit." Okay, so yeah, they told me to do that for the Aviation Village to do the avionics stuff that I've been doing. Yeah. But I did miss the CFP by about two days. Ugh. But it's okay. Not a big deal. I probably activated for Red Flag again and go to DEF CON because it just happens. The military sent me over there to Vegas for Red Flag. And it overlaps with DEF CON. So. so, Steve, tell us what is your, what's your best advice? I think my best advice is going to be something that that I struggle with, and um, I'm I'm terrible about like introducing myself to new people or talking to new people, people I don't but know. Steve, you're amazing, by the way. Thank you. Okay. Um, if people come up to me for whatever reason, that's not awkward for me and I can converse. Um, I would say um, exercise some boldness and reach out, get involved with Twitter because we have the most amazing supportive community. It's, it's unreal. It's awesome. And uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's something for everyone. The, the industry is not small. And there's jobs. I think I would say, like, to build on what Steve said, I find sometimes that you have to put yourself out of your comfort zone in order to grow, right? I, I don't know that anybody would disagree with that. The only it's problem is I'm addicted to stress, so I like to be out of my comfort zone <laughs> as much as possible. Well, and, and maybe I get that, right? Like, I think right. um, that adrenaline junkie part of you know, like kind of where I grew up. I always say, you know, I feel like when I started growing up when I became an adult, like when I, when I got into the fire service, that's when I started to like grow up. Right. So I feel like growing up, um, 
I kind of was so used to that adrenaline of, you know, going to a call and lights and sirens and what am I going to see and, um, you know, saving lives and drugs and getting somebody's heart to beat when it didn't beat before. And like, there's a rush to that, right? That's very addictive. So I totally get what you're saying. Like, I thrive on stress as well. And I find that like when the shit hits the fan, I perform at my most optimum. Um, when I was in law enforcement, we did a uh, shooting drill where we had, um, we had a, uh, we had a police car that was pulled up beside us. The siren was going and they were yelling in our ears. And, and the, the purpose was to heighten your, your stress level, because when your stress is very um, high, you start to lose dexterity, right? And that's why we teach people, um, you know, major muscle movements when you're learning how to like shoot and stuff. And what I found was when this shit hit the fan and like, I've got all this stuff going on and screaming at me, I was more laser focused. So I, I I definitely get that side of it, but like, I I think that comes with our unique experiences. Absolutely. A lot of us require, like I, uh, okay. So if I work somewhere where they give me mild pressure, I'm, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. Right. But if I work somewhere with extreme pressure and like a lot of, I mean, it's just expected that a lot of things are important. I will fucking live and I'll thrive. Yeah. That, that comes from military from, you know, geek. Yeah. Steve will understand that. Well, and, and I want to say this for those people who don't have that, right? Like, so I feel like we're lucky in that when it comes to pushing ourselves outside of our comfort zone, we already are used to that. Um, I will say this. So I have like self-diagnosed completely. I've never talked to a doctor about it, but like a mild form of social anxiety. So maybe mild to moderate, depending on the situation. There have been times that I've not gone out to places because I was like, I'm, I, I just, I can't, yeah. I can't be around new people. I don't know these people. I feel inferior to these people. I'm just not going. And like, and like been like fucking dressed makeup, hair, fucking outfit, and then almost walked out the door and was like, yeah, I'm not doing it, and fucking got in my PJs. So, like, I want people to understand that, like, I do understand that that side of it. Yeah. And I think that despite that, um, when I've put myself into situations where I knew that it was going to be to my best interest to be outgoing and, and be a bit much um, – I had to really push myself past where I was comfortable. And what I, what I came to understand was that once I, once I pushed myself past that point and once I became, you know, like it was almost, Nick will probably get this because I know you've done like, um, you've done acting theater stuff in the past. Like once you go, okay, I'm, I'm acting a part and I would push myself past my comfort zone acting the part of the person who is outgoing and funny and like whatever. As soon as I got the reaction that I needed, which was usually just laughter and like, okay, everybody's cool and we're good. And um, then like I could relax and then really be myself, which I'm a pretty outgoing person around the people that I'm comfortable with. And so there's, there's, there's nothing more painful than being judged as the person as you are being yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So like when it comes to acting, you can be another person and be judged, but you're like, 
I was just being myself the person. It's not a big deal. But when you have to be yourself and people judge that, it's so painful. Absolutely. But what I'm trying to say is like, if you, if you want to augment who you are, so if you're like, so I think it was Steve mentioned, you know, reach out, right? Like try and be a part, like this is an amazing community that we have here. Um, And Twitter like just augments that as well, because like, I swear to God, there's so many times that I have had this imposter syndrome where I felt like, who the fuck am I? Who the fuck am I to have a podcast? Who the fuck am I to talk to, you know? You got an emushi for fuck's sake. You got this shit. (laughs) I love you guys. She knows what I'm but, talking about. But like, but, Ushi, uh. <laughs> but the you, <laughs> no, oh shit. I'm, well, I'm, no, my I'm friend, I, I have complete faith in you. I have never met anybody that connects with other people so quickly and Thank understands you. them so easily. But I think that's it too. It's just, is that I understand what it's, <laughs> this motherfucker pulled out Miller Lite. I think that's what it is though too, is, is I God do, I do, um, <laughs> I'm able to, uh, to kind of understand and empathize with people because, you know, like I get what it's like to, to be, um, insecure and not quite sure. And, you know, it's funny because we're we're, human though. Absolutely. But where I was going with it is like every time that I, I use Twitter a lot as just an outlet for me to throw out how I feel about things in the world or how I feel about myself or whatever. And like, as my Twitter account started to grow, I used to think like, holy shit, you people need to stop following me. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. And at some point in the very near future, you're going to unfollow me because you're like, what the fuck is with this girl? And like, I would see like CIOs and CTOs and CFOs and CEOs and like all these C-level people following me. And I would think, you have no idea what you're doing. Like, stop. <laughs> and I wanted to, I like, I'm not lying to you. And I thought in my head, I should DM these motherfuckers and be like, just unfollow me now. Like, I'm not exactly. I'm not the info sec you're looking for. And I would, I would tweet stuff like that because it, and it was me. Like I had this, this complete imposter syndrome of, I have nothing to contribute. I just shit talk whiskey. And like, and and yeah, I get that some of you think that's funny, but like, I have no idea what I'm talking about when it comes to InfoSec. I just follow you people hoping that I'm going to like osmosisly I know that's not a word, learn things from you. And, and like the more InfoSec people that followed me, I kept thinking like, no, you guys are wrong. And when I would tweet those things and I would say like legitimately people stop, you don't know what you're doing. And it was funny because those were the tweets when I was being real and when I was being raw that people connected to, I would get a hundred, 300 followers in a weekend from a tweet like that. And then I felt bad because then I was like, that's not what well, I'm trying to do. Ushi, but like, from what I understand, hackers are people that want to understand how the universe works, how everything works. And we bring that shit together through our own actions. And I would not worry about it. Hackers are, we're all the weird nerds that hang out in our basement. Right? We're all the weird motherfuckers like myself who happen to be aircraft avionics technicians who are nerds that nobody wants to talk to 
They just call us wizards when they call us out to work on shit. Or we're the they, people that call ourselves Steve. weird, even though we're not. And even we're, though we're smart. It's not necessarily that we're weird. We're part of this group. And don't worry about it. You need to not let it get to you. Agreed. Yeah. When we want to understand how the universe works and how we want to tear things apart to make them work in our own purpose. We're going to call a hacker. We, yes, that's a hacker. It can be radios. It can be computer systems. It can be quantum mechanics. That's just the way we are. Amen. And, and I fucking love that. And it's a really good community. We're all positive because we all believe in the human spirit. We all yeah. believe that things are going to be better. And well, and I think too, like we know how to pass out. So. We know <laughs> <laughs> we know how to um, we know how it is to be that person who is afraid. And so I think we'll wrap it up with this, right? Because I we're probably nearing two hours. We're way um, over. So if I'll say this, know yourself, push yourself past your boundaries, because when you push yourself past your boundaries, you're going to find that you're going to be accepted. Um, And if you're not, then fuck those people. Like legit, if you find that you're not accepted somewhere, fucking DM me and I will fucking drink with you and we will trash talk because fuck those motherfuckers. Yes. Um, I feel like if somebody isn't accepting you for who you are, then fuck them. I I can't say that enough. Um, But I think that you're going to find that when you push yourself outside, you're like, there's so many people that I see that are so introverted and they're so afraid to just push themselves outside themselves. And as a person who gets nervous when you push yourself outside, I will tell you this. Since I have started this Twitter journey and this this podcast journey, um, I have met nothing but amazing, kind people. And every time that I say, God, I fucking suck, the two of you and the rest of Twitter goes, no, you don't. We like your weird blue hair or we like that you tweet whiskey shit. And and I think it's really just about being real and and being yourself with people because that's what people people are attracted to that energy and they're attracted to the energy when you just are who you are your yourself and it doesn't matter you don't have to be ushi you don't have to be nick or steve because i mean please don't be me it's a pain in the ass stop you're wonderful nick don't make me start on you but like wicked pain in the ass yeah absolutely oh god if you had to go through this shit (laughs) but People need to just know that, like, just be you, just be authentically you. And that's what other people are going to, um, are, are going yeah. to be attracted and to. people will accept you for who you are. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, just be you. Push past the pain of awkwardness. And then I promise you within 30 seconds to a minute, it's going to be so much better. And like, I've been so lucky because like, you know, Nick told me about Wild West Hacking Fest. That was my first official conference that I went to, right? Cheers. I think so. And yeah, cheers. And that was so much fun. I saw, I met a dude, Wiley. 
you rock. Um, who, when I saw Wiley, I went down to the CTF and I had never been in a CTF before, but like Tinkersec one time said that, you know, like just fucking show up. And he talked about his first CTF where all he learned how to do was end map. And I thought, if all I learned how to do is, I mean, I knew how to end map, but if all I learned how to do is end map a little bit better then I'm good. And I showed up to the CTF and I was looking for a place to sit and Wiley was sitting on the corner of the bar and he, in the overflow. And he says, you're a whiskey girl, aren't you? And yes. I was like, I'm going to own that. Fuck yeah, I am. And I sat down and our team came in like ninth place out of 80. I know I was the weakest link on that, but I also know that I got like five flags. And so like just do just help it (laughs) just do it like just push yourself past your comfort zone because what you're going to find is that there's a shit ton of people who are waiting for you to be a part of this community and the community is really awesome and i always feel bad when i see people who are like i'm trying to break into it but i don't know how just be yourself and, and just be outgoing and it's going to like the imposter syndrome is going to start to get easier to deal with the more that you interact with other people in the community. Cause number one, you're going to see that there are other people who are just like you, um, who are not Sam's, who are not Adams and John's that are like ridiculously smart, that they're just normal people and they're being successful as well. So um, anyway, so we're going to wrap this up. You guys, this has been probably the most amazing, almost two hours. I still wanted to do an hour too, but let's, <laughs> can we, can we just Sorry raise a, let's raise a glass and we're gonna cheers one last he's got his miller light i love it all right you guys thank you so much for for drink half a bottle of this stuff already (laughs) i'm not far behind you actually yeah (laughs) i like it i don't like it enough to drink half a bottle it is it's an acquired taste i think but thank you guys so much for joining us on this um journey down uh, imposter syndrome. I'm sure that we're going to have this conversation again, because I think that it's something that we all deal with. And, and I'm sure there are other ways to attack and it. I, but I honestly do not mind if people message me on Twitter. Good. Me neither. To talk to yeah. People are hesitant to reach out. Syndrome. Absolutely. We'll grab you by the fucking hand and, and lead you. We will. We, we come I'll, from a lot of I'll dance with you, but yes. Backgrounds, and it's really, a, 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 you're given a, an amazing opportunity to deal with imposter syndrome. I think this is a good group that comes from people that we don't feel like we belong in the cybersecurity community, but we probably provide more data points than they've ever been used to. <laughs> right? So, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, look so, us up on Twitter. If you yep. are wondering, we've got at Geek Steve, and that is spelled G-E-E-K-S-T-E-E-V, because Steve had to be weird. So <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> and we've got at box swapper and I will put those um, in the show notes in case you're wondering, but if you, anybody has any questions about anything that we've talked about, please reach out. Um, we're always available. You can either hit me up at my, um, at the InfoSec whiskey uh, Twitter account or my Ush1C Twitter account. Either way, find us and, um, and we're going to be, we're there for you, right? We're, we're here to yep. walk all of you through. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. And um, yes, thank you guys for joining me. This has been so much fun. All right. All right, everybody. Have a great night. We'll see you on the next one.